is The Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. Welcome back to KWTO. One hour down, one hour to go. A few weeks ago on a Tuesday, we had our regularly scheduled Theological Tuesday with Bruce. And we talked about a new movie that's out on Amazon Prime. It has to do with the the idea of cessationism. Cessationism is the is the general premise that miracles happened in the Bible, but they ended after the apostolic age. There's a there's a spectrum that they either don't happen or they may happen now, but they're not in the not not as common and certainly not as widespread as they were in the Bible. Well, after the conversation with Bruce, we had a lot of feedback from people who are like, hey, I've seen it, I've experienced it. I think healing is much more prevalent. And I decided, hey, we want to have the opposite side of you, but from a theological perspective. We luckily went to the top of the food chain, and joining us now on the show, the president of Evangel University, Mike Rakes. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. It's really great to have you in studio. Before we jump into miracles, let's do the question of the day every day on the show. Question of the day. First things first, question of the day today, what's your favorite charity to support personally? Convoy of Hope is my favorite charity. Uh, I would say Project Rescue is right behind that Ooh, for me. So I know so, Convoy Hope. Tell me yeah. about Project Rescue. Well, Project Rescue, um, founded by David and Beth Grant, just do so much to rescue um, um, kids and ma- mainly girls out of slavery. But they're also of sexual slavery around the world. But they're involved in so many other things. So we have a lot of evangel graduates uh, that are part of that and uh, the the leader of that now, Jennifer Barrett, uh, is amazing, and and uh, she's an Evangel alum, so have to put in that. But they they do they go where nobody else wants to go, and they're doing it all over the world. So, all right, um, okay, let's talk about divine healing. Right, uh, as Bruce said, the lion's share of theolo- theolo- theologians in the world believe no miracles were more confined to the apostolic age. Obviously, we're in Springfield, the home of the Assemblies of God, James River Church, whatever it is. But healings is a common discussion point down here. Sure. Give us the other side of this. Well, there there is the other side. And, and I would say that it's not true that the majority of scholars uh, would uh, buy into that. I led a, a scholars conversation uh, globally for about eight years for Empower 21. There are books out there that we uh, published and were put together by uh, Vincent Sinan, who did historical work on the charismatic movement, the Pentecostal church, looking at its history. But uh, suffice all that to say is, uh, no, there are there are, uh, lots of brilliant scholars that know that um, the spirit is very active today. You know, you can't shut off, you can't shut off one member of the Trinity and say it's not active, and yet people are still having active salvation moments. And, and uh, I went to a Presbyterian seminary, uh, have a broad education. I went to, um, I did a Master of Divinity, I did a Doctor of Ministry at uh, Talbot uh, School of Theology out in California, uh, and so uh, and an AGTS master's degree. Uh, so I, I have a broad view of of uh, what's being taught in the kingdom, and and um, and so anyway, we make the case that no, God is very much active today. The Holy Spirit, very much a fully functioning member of the Trinity, and uh, He's very active in people's lives, including divine healing. Talk to us about this movie that's out on Prime Video. It's called Cessationism or Cessationist. And the idea in the movie is all of these theological scholars getting together and saying, yeah, this is a bunch of people that want your money that are saying miracles are happening, but they don't really happen. 
Well, first I would say, you know, the the kingdom of God is very broad, so people have different beliefs. So we have more in common with one another. So we've got to remember that, right? We've got to... to I've heard uh, it described as closed-handed and open-handed. There's some things you can't disagree on, you know, the the, the virgin birth right. or the divine power of God. But right. there's some things that you can disagree on. And it, it's okay, but it's got to be done in love, right? So we have to learn to stand together. So with that said, that caveat, um, simply what I would say is, uh, uh, women and men at their best are are at best human. So when you focus in on individuals, they are going to be flawed. And uh, but I think one thing that strikes me through that movie and even the conversations the other day with you uh, is that we we are always looking for evidence to prove God exists, or we're, we try to find a way around faith. And faith isn't what you use to get what you want. Faith is what you have to have when you don't get what you want. My 27-year-old daughter died with cancer. We prayed for four years. She was a worship pastor at our church. I've written a book about it using her journal and my journal as we walk through that, me on the other side of her passing and grief. And and what I can say from a charismatic Pentecostal perspective is simply God does heal, but He it's not based on man's actions or you can't bargain with God or God's not a transactional God. And so I think a lot of the judgment you see both in the movie and conversations are focused on man's activity to try to make a heal. Oh, he doesn't heal, or those aren't real. You know, God is free. The Holy Spirit is free. He can do what he wants, right? And so to say he stopped uh, at some point in the in the middle of um, keeping time and he's no longer active today, is that's actually pretty arrogant in my opinion. Tell us a little bit about the the movie especially brings up some of the more public uh, embracement of of healings, whether it's a, a Bill Johnson or or some of these other people that have maybe not been even Benny Hinn, but you know, there's a lot of pe- pastors now that's that that get tagged with the label of they're a healing pastor. Sure. Um, what's what's the theological view on somebody like that? Well, uh, you know, I've learned a long time ago that um, you know I have to first examine my own heart, so I don't I don't really feel. Uh, I don't really feel like um, I'm going to look at somebody's ministry and tell whether or not. I think the the fruit, the longevity, and uh, the centrality of Jesus and 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 coming to faith and all that is is critical. So I think Christians do get get off track, and certainly those that try to undermine the faith. Look, er- everybody who's following Jesus, you said it in the opening. You already believe that a young Jewish girl was impregnated. Say this on CNN: impregnated by the Holy Spirit, you're off. You're already voted off the island. So we're already out here as a miraculous people. And so we've got to be careful of trying to tell God what he can and cannot do. And so I believe God does, uh, I believe God has a communicational intent. I think God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit use different languages. I I, I presented a paper on this at at Regent University back in the day that uh, God the Father communicates through signs. God the Spirit very much is involved in our daily lives and music and the arts uh, that he stirs us and and gives us. That's where the discernment that he's very active uh, in our lives. And to uh, and to say that um, the Logos, Jesus Himself, if 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 the Son of God was named Logos, that means God is trying to communicate to us. But the message isn't. Here's proof. The message is you've got to have faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that you don't, none of us get an exemption from having to come to a place of faith. So when we argue that in, uh, individuals 
are somehow resetting the theology. Well, um, you know, corporately, we're not. God's not going to take a uh, his hand and write up in the sky to let everybody know he's there. That's the whole point. But he's very much involved in our individual lives, and certainly from a charismatic a Pentecostal standpoint, uh, we know. In fact, one of the the things to say, uh, people got on a boat, went to another country that the that the Spirit gave them language, and they would go talk. So you pull out all these extremes, and yet I I know one person for sure that that happened to, and I actually witnessed a, a moment like that. So to try to take that away from me, where somebody was speaking a language, they didn't know what they were saying. It it was, but the but uh, uh, another person from that country heard it and went, where did you learn that? And and I was uh, privy in that moment as a 16-year-old watching that moment happen. That, I think, is the next question is there's a lot of conversation about do we as Christians or does the world hold deserve to see objective proof of miracles taking place? I think the objective proof we've got to do a better job of working out is love. I think we have to learn to love one another to love uh, our our world and love the neighbors around us. So not everybody, not everybody that would name the name of Jesus throughout the centuries, we've seen um, those that misused uh, that sincerity isn't necessarily uh, the judgment for truth. But uh, and this is my passion: scholars uh, tend to lean left and lean liberal and um, build Towers of Babel themselves. And the Tower of Babel is about uh, building the tower tall enough, get up above the clouds so we can have a conversation with God or we make ourselves equal with God. And that's the danger. I mean, all of education is about semantics. It's all about language. And the problem is, I think, with um, some theologians is they create a semantic eclipse. Like their words are so big, we lose the love and the tenderness and the fact that God may want to come help a single mom and minister to her in a way that, that we we could not necessarily confirm, but she testifies to. And that's that's great, but, you know, when you hear people from, from the cessationist point of view or you hear people from just generally a non-Christian point of view that say, well, I want to see proof. I want to see proof that these miracles occurred. Mm-hmm. Do we have proof? Um, you know, I think we have testimony. And that's what the Bible is in in some ways, right? It's a testament. So we have older testament and a new testament, and these are these are uh, uh, you know the Bible in many ways is not an HD movie. Of this is how God created the world. They're Polaroid snapshots. And so when you when you try to put God into that that place of, thing, I I actually uh, I actually think that God is not going to to allow for that. I, I think that uh, in in his um, grand love for the whole human race, the global human race throughout all of centuries, that we all have to come to him in our uh, on equal ground, and that is by faith. And and so, uh, you know, R.T. Kendall is a Reformed. I was thinking of him listening to your show last time, uh, is a Reformed theologian uh, who uh, has been open-handed when it comes. He's in his 90s now, I think, but but when it comes to the miraculous, to say, you know what, he was pretty hard on them early on. And one of his books, I think it's just called uh, The Anointing, he talks about several instances of having God confirm uh, that this guy was not a charlatan, but actually legitimate, a man of the Spirit. Tell us a little bit about 
your background. How'd you end up as president of the Evangel University? Well, it certainly wasn't anything I set out to do. Uh, I've been in higher education for more than 30 years. I was on a faculty. I was a department chair, a chairman of the board um, at uh, Oral Roberts University. And um, I just care about what's coming next. I care about the, this generation. And these students are not a problem to be solved, but God's answer to what's going on in this crazy world. And so uh, I was honored to be asked and honored to be a part uh, to lead for this season. And we're seeing donors have, have come around Evangel. We are, but you know what's really cool about Evangel too? So we're only about 10% of the student body. We have 2,500, more than 2,500 students now. Only 10% are going into local uh, church ministry, platform ministry, music ministry. 90% are going into mainstream vocations around the world. And yet when you look at our chapel service, look at the hunger in this generation is unbelievable. Like God is doing something and it's going to infiltrate uh, every every vocation in the world. And that's I'm excited to be a part of it. You were a pastor at one point. I was. How long were you a pastor? Well, um, gosh, uh, total probably 28, 29 years, but 16 years at what we would, you know, label a mega church. Uh, so, uh, I have seen it all, have, have uh, seen, uh, people that were, uh, sincere, but way off base, uh, when it came to the miraculous. But I, but I also have seen God do amazing things. And I think that's why in, in the book, I surrendered and unafraid. It's on audio. It's on Amazon. This where, is the book you wrote. Uh, yeah, I've written two books. That's this is the book of about my daughter's death, and a Pentecostal Pentecostals and Charismatics don't really have a good theology of suffering. We think because Jesus suffered, we get an exempt pass. I don't believe that's true, and I unpack that in the book. But that doesn't negate the fact that God, the Holy Spirit, can do what He wants, and that He still does uh, the miraculous. So, uh, yeah, you know, at that church, I learned. Uh, and Whitney and I would talk, and she had the cancer for four years. We would talk. There's the song that came out, He'll Never Let You Down. But I can say that song doesn't work for me because he did let me down. He, he, he allowed my spirit to be crushed by not healing my daughter, and I'm, I'm very honest uh, in that. But in no, way, in no way does the book say that God doesn't do the miraculous. The book says you can't control the miraculous. It's not in your hands. It wasn't in her hands was in my hands and and there can be no guilt in that that you know uh it, when, it's dangerous when you blame victims oh they didn't have enough faith oh they should have fasted more that that for me uh, is a real problem that it, it you don't earn you don't buy a miracle you don't earn a miracle but the sovereign god uh, can do as as my presbyterian professors would say as as he jolly well pleases it's both in job and uh, psalms the jolly wells added for emphasis but God will do as he pleases, and that is, and we don't get to tell him. You know, uh, humans love taxonomies. We love to figure it out. So God did this, he did that, here's the chart, did this. And this year he stopped doing that, but then he was doing this. Then we saw him do that, and that is a form of control. And we have, when it comes to faith, you have to give up control. And you have to say, okay, um, you know, Augustine and um, and the early church fathers, they, they actually did attest to miracles. They did. They weren't proponents to say God's not active. And you have to put them in their context and settings. But, you know, uh, there were great songs being sung by the church before Charles Wesley and John Wesley did their thing, you know, uh, uh, in the revival days. So there, there was great music happening, you know, in the, in the 11th and 12th and 13th century that would honor and glorify God. And so we become a little bit narrow and a little bit arrogant in our American ability to criticize everybody and, and kind of point out the flaws. 
everybody's flawed. Nobody's perfect. If you're going to examine somebody's ministry, um, you're going to find what you're looking for. I think what we want to do is open our hearts up to God and say, God, I would love for you to introduce yourself to me in a new way. And that's what he did for me in the loss of my daughter. I've, I've heard people describe that those who don't go to church or who don't believe in modern divine miracles on a larger scale, that they're afraid that God doesn't exist. I've always taken the position, no, they're actually afraid God does exist, and they're looking for proof that he doesn't. <laughs> right. No, that that is true, right? You're trying to confirm the negative. Yeah. And uh, But I think, again, any any who are we? Who are we to tell God you need to, you know, and I know, I know technically that's not what they're saying. They're looking to see, is God doing this? Is God active in this way? And uh, I would say in, in other parts of the world, um, their their faith isn't, some would say, okay, it's colonized. And so this is why they are believing for miracles, whatever. I think when, when, when your feet are on the soil in other cultures, uh, it's an amazing opportunity to see uh, the global God who loves humanity and uh, has uh, come and walked among us. And, and uh, even Paul, right, says, you're going to, uh, I want to fellowship with you in your sufferings too. Right. So it's a part that this life is hard and we have to go through things. But, but in that, there, there are these glimpses uh, of the miraculous. That's really interesting, the conversation, because you're right. And I'm, I, I don't know if I, you call me a convert, but I grew up in either non denominational or, or rural, almost sure. Baptist or home church. Right. And so I've now been in Assemblies Church for eh, going on 10 years. And it's been, I always joke, it's my own faith journey. I've been saved for a long time, but the idea of raising my hands or speaking, it's a right. new thing and it's sure. still somewhat foreign to sure. me. And the idea that God continues to allow us to suffer on this earth is something that you're right. Generally, there's this uh, uh, not, you know, it's not prosperity gospel, but generally this idea that God will protect you along the way and, and insulate you from some of the pain of this world. Yeah. I, th- I think there are moments w- when he's there with you uh, and all of that. Um, um, you know, my daughter, we used to spend Thursdays together. I talk about in the book, uh, every Thursday, uh, we would, and those memories now are cherished, you know, when she was in grade school and then middle school. Uh, and, but she had this, whenever storms would come, we lived in Florida, went through a bunch of hurricanes. And when she was really little, she would crawl up on my lap and uh, she would start to sing who's in the middle of the storm. God is who's in the middle of the storm. God is. And that's what I have found comfort in knowing and that's what the psalmist do that that um though i don't understand he's in the middle of the storm with us that's miraculous that's powerful that's the presence of the holy spirit so it's not just uh one or the other nobody gets a free pass everybody is going to suffer uh i just find it really amazing when somebody does have a moment and somebody says look i'm testifying god did this for me how we try to talk them out of it or try to pull them back back down in the bucket to say no, get in here and and suffer with the rest of us. That you know, Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and uh, mourn with those who mourn. And and I think we we need to do a better job at both of those. Mike, uh, as president of Evangel University, if people want to follow, I don't know if you're on social media, or if they want to know more about what you do or what Evangel University does, how do they find out more information? Well, uh, Evangel.edu is a, a great place on there. You can actually find uh, Officer the President on there. And if uh, I've written two. Uh, scholarly things on this. So if somebody's, if that's really whetted their appetite and they're interested, they could email 
uh, the Office of the President at Evangel.edu, and we will uh, fire these articles right back. What are, back what are the articles? Tell us. Just so, well, one is the one I presented at Regent, which is that God has a communicational intense, uh, 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 intent, um, and he delivers renewal and, and dignity and his word uh, um, intentionally to your heart, and it comes to you in different ways. So uh, I unpack this using um, scholars from church history, and uh, really proud of that. Uh, the the other one is if I can just read an excerpt. Yeah, maybe. I brought do. in an excerpt um, and from that. Actually, this is from that um, um, that paper I just mentioned. Third, we examine identity and find that it emerges as a continuity of consciousness and provides dignity for the individual. When an individual says, "God told me," they are not unorthodox because of that claim, but may be functioning in an awareness of interrelated complex systems that form and transform individuals. In other words, this thread of semantic connections integrates the conscious life with the mystical and concrete reality of the unseen at work in their own heart. And so I just kind of unpack and give some ways to think about um, how the language keeps us from really communicating and understanding each other of what's what's truly going on. And um, this is uh, an article I wrote uh, it's the it's actually lead, the lead off chapter in a book called Spirit Empowered Christianity in the 21st Century. Um, uh, my my article is on the semantics of renewal, and here's this is the most relevant uh, couple of sentences from that book. The dogmatism preached by some in the name of orthodoxy has led to semantic eclipses that may block greater lights of love. The church has struggled corporately to understand and find a level of comfort with the deep and inward work of the Spirit over the centuries and ultimately control people and their spiritual experiences. And my argument in this particular piece is the reason we don't like the supernatural is because it's out of the box. We can't we can't make it happen when we want. We can't even really articulate it and prove it when we want. And yet, we have to admit that it's a part, it's a part of this mystical spiritual journey. You know, ironically, uh, people that are into spirituality that are that not necessarily Christ-centered and all that they're very open to these sorts of things. You know, when I was growing up, it was the new age, you know, oh, we're all worried about the new age there. But now it's almost like coming out of the enlightenment. Those of us in our orthodoxy and mainstream Christianity, like we worship the brain. If we can't figure it out with our brain, then it doesn't exist. We, hmm. we fall into the religion of rationalism, which is kind of what I poke at in, in, uh, in that article. And that's just as big an era. As, as losing your way and, and, and living so experiential, you have no biblical foundation. Mike Rakes, he's the president of Evangel University. Go to evangel.edu, reach out to the office of the president if you want either of these works, or just to find out more about the university. Uh, thanks Great. so much for joining us. Thanks, today. Elijah. Really appreciate Great. It. Thanks. All right, we got, we'll be right back. More to come. Uh, stick around.